0: e-commerce expansion myths blasted successful cross-border expansion help listen to the show to hear how one uk company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into europe and double their profits
1: hosted by andy hooper of global e-commerce experts
0: hi are you there
1: yes hey andy how are
0: you i'm epic thank you so adam thank you very much for joining me uh, thank you very much, everyone who's joining us, wherever you are or wherever you're listening to this after it's recording. Uh, my name's Andy Hooper from Global E-Commerce Experts, and this is the E-Commerce Expander Secrets podcast. And today, I'm specially joined by Adam Marrott, one of our great partners from RevStep. Hi, Adam.
1: Hey there, Andy. So good to see you again and be on this uh, this podcast. So excited to to just chat and let's see what we can do and talk about e-commerce. Excited about it.
0: Exactly that. Yeah, let's chat about, uh, um, uh, my favourite thing to talk about is e-commerce. So that's great. And this really is what this is about. It's talking about our great partners, uh, about what they're doing, uh, how they're supporting their customers. Uh, A bit about you, Adam, before we we even get into that. And then we're going to talk about the state of e-commerce and what we're seeing right now, because I think there's some really, really crunchy things to talk about, uh, which is going to be exciting. So Adam, if you could, before we even go down that route, Perhaps if you could give us a little intro, uh, who's Adam, we currently do, where you're currently based, and um, we'll go from there. How does that sound?
1: Sounds great. Sounds great. I think I'm probably one of the most um, experienced e commerce shoppers. I have seven children, and we do all sorts <laughs> of e commerce shopping uh, for them in all different categories. So um, just to get that off my chest, we, we, uh, We definitely um, spend a lot of time online. And uh, obviously, um, during the pandemic, we spent even more time online. So you wouldn't believe what we have purchased on e-commerce over the last year. And so anyway, we can get more into that. But that's just a little tidbit about me. I've got a a large family. I live in Salt Lake City, and that is the headquarters of RevStep. And um, I'm an avid outdoorsman. I love to bike. I love to hike. Anything outside, we got the Rocky Mountains right behind us. And, um, yeah, we have a little team here, and we're we're really happy to dig in and and see what's going on. It's a really exciting time to be a part of this uh, industry and to see what the brands are doing, at least the ones that we're working on and the ones that uh, that we're partnered up with. And it's just such an exciting time to be uh, a part of the e-commerce world. Um, we look at all the different brands and we look at all the different, different things uh the people that we're talking to around the world i mean we, we talked to people in europe we talk canada china um and all all of these different types of businesses it, it has reacted very differently and so anyway we're getting some some pretty interesting perspectives about uh, from our rev step management side of it where we we get to kind of dig into each different category and see um how they're reacting to the pandemic and uh um anyway You know, my background is uh, I started at Kohl's department store, you know, internationally, you may not know Kohl's department store, but it's one of the biggest retailers here in the United States. And uh, I went there right out of university and worked in the buying offices. And at the time that was 2007 to 2010, I worked there for three years. After that, I went and got an MBA. But while I was there, we were expanding like crazy brick and mortar. Um, We started when I got there, we had, I think, 800 stores, brick and mortar nationwide. And by the time we left, we had over 1100. Well, that's not the, that's not the trend anymore. And that's, and and, you know, that's when e-commerce was just starting to get in going for some of these brick and mortar retailers, these big ones, like, like Cole's department store. And it's just really interesting over the last 10 years, what has happened. And then the pandemic kind of just put it into a totally new, uh, new category. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. A lot of crunchy things as you say that we can, we can uh, chew on. But uh, that's kind of my background. Got into sourcing in China, partnering with some factories around the world and then bringing their products to life and doing some of my own. So I have my own experience where we we went and got products and brought them in and started selling them on Amazon about four or five years ago. And boy, that was just a, a roller coaster. But from that experience, we, we really understand both the small guys and then how to expand that into the big Big type of companies and the challenges you find at each stage of you know the progression as your company grows and sometimes as your company fails we've had several products that we've done really well with we have a few that we haven't so not everything works on e-commerce no
0: fantastic but- well thank you very much for joining us i'm going to pick up on a couple of those bits because I, I want to dig into it. now the first thing i think we're going to talk about is i think you know where this is going is is the cycling uh, because i think we discussed <laughs> before that i quite like my segment now but did you say you were a road cyclist before? Do I remember that rightly?
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. So what's
0: it what's it like cycling into the into the Rockies? Did you say?
1: Well, actually, interesting. So you know Lance Armstrong, perhaps um, one of the yeah. best cyclers. and you know he would actually come to the canyons that I ride in and practice because they're just straight up. You know these Rockies, you're you're going straight up. So sometimes you can see the really famous people coming up into Salt Lake city, just to, just to hit some of those canyons. But yeah, they're Canyon rides where there's races where you do five canyons in a row. It's like, I don't know, over 12,000 feet climbing in a day. And you do do the, do all these canyons. And, um, I've got a hundred mile race on Friday and then I've got a 140 mile race next week. And then, uh, culminates. I'm not doing this one. I did it last year, 205 mile race, uh, in the fall. So a lot of cycling going on. It's really fun. But we're just nice. coming out of winter. I mean, you can still see the snow at the tops of the mountains. So when you're yeah. going up there, you're you're bundling up like it's winter because up up top, you're you're just really cold with that windshield. But super beautiful, great time of year to be biking outside.
0: Yeah, basically, I need to get my backside over there and do some road cycling with you, don't I?
1: Go, oh, man, Andy, come on yeah. out. It would be so although, much fun.
0: Although I think you're probably slightly fitter than I am on a bike at the moment. I'm I'm <laughs> all I'm doing is a spin session. Um, the 12,000 foot of cycling. I did do a. 100 miles on a mountain 110 miles on a mountain bike and that was 12 and a half thousand feet of um, climbing uh which on a mountain bike is quite hardcore
1: Um, that is super hardcore that's crazy
0: uh, uh, but that was a couple of years ago now so uh that's nothing to judge it took me a very long time but i'm excited because i you every time i go to with with the whole covid thing the uh you, you can't fly so i was like next time i go to vegas I'm getting a Mustang. I'm going straight out, <laughs> and I want to go and see. I want to go and see the Grand Canyon. Now, obviously, you're the other side of it, aren't you? Um, yeah,
1: we're we're north of it. yeah.
0: So, uh, but still, I'm like, I just want to yeah, get a Mustang into the hills. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? But uh, would
1: think,
0: be- I'm definitely keen on a bike ride. I think that's what I need to do next.
1: Well, you got to come out some of the mess, best mountain biking in the world. I might be a little biased, but come on out. It's really great. Um, and actually, I think I, thought, I saw that you're going to be a key keynote speaker down at the Las Vegas White Label. Is that right?
0: Yes, in theory. Yes. Whether we get there or if not. It,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah who fine. knows? Some of these trade shows and things are canceling even now. You think, think we'd be coming out of it. but
0: Yeah. Anyway. I, mean, I think that they're saying that it's going to go ahead. But it don't, we don't know whether we can get there or if we've got a quarantine when we come back. So there's a whole load of questions about whether we should go, whether we shouldn't go. You, we're still down to go. We still want to go, um, and that's when I'm like, because I, I, I've had a day on, so that I can do you know, some of those nice things that I wouldn't ordinarily have done in the past.
1: Well, come um, over. We'll we'll hang out. We'll we'll see you there if you're there. So that'd
0: be awesome. We're supposed to be going to. Are oh, we digressing slow? We're supposed to be going to Vancouver in the summer for our holiday, and my son is like, can we do Whistler, and do that? Uh, yeah. And I'm like. Oh. I'm not sure we're quite ready for that, boy. Um, but we'll see. Um, anyway, so let, let, let's crack on. So, Adam, let, let's go back to how did you get into e-commerce? You said you started off in Coles. That's where you started. Then when did you MBA? But how did that then migrate into e-commerce? What was that stepping stone?
1: There's there's something about e-commerce that I really love, and, and it's that the reach is so so easy. You can reach... St- I mean, millions and millions of people with your messaging and with your, you know, with your advertising. And I just thought, you know, this is really the future e-commerce when I looked at what they were doing with retail and yes, you have this retail experience. I mean, they, they thought so much about going into the store and you know, what pathway we should tell people to, to walk through. I mean, you look at Ikea, you get stuck in Ikea for an hour and a half, just trying to get out of there, but they do that purposely. <laughs> so you see things and you have this experience that you go through and, um, and I just thought, you know, e-commerce, technology, it's going to be so much easier to do this. And so I like the idea of having a um, an, a digital experience. And if you can create a digital experience, and, and a lot of things are happening now to make that a lot better and pandemic, pushed that forward. Um, yeah. But I like the e-commerce because it was easy at first. And it was, it, you, you could get there it, almost immediately where you're fighting for shelf space in the retail store, the brick and mortar. You can you know, pay a little bit of ad spend and get right there in front of so many different people. So it it seemed like a bigger opportunity. I'm kind of just this retail baby inside. I like the, I like the the moving parts of of all the different types of products. I like product development. I like kind of creation. And that's why I ultimately came back to, um, back to retail and e-commerce was, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: Where it was you coming from the retail side, what were do you doing in the retail sector? What was the sort of main sort of role that you were sort of focused on?
1: At uh, at the buying offices at oh. Kohl's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, so we yeah uh, we were in the buying offices. Uh, my first role was you know analyst. But so the analyst I would they put me in juniors and junior sportswear. And I thought you know I going in I didn't know a ton about retail. So when yeah. I heard junior sportswear I thought okay this is like like teenage sports gear no. Juniors apparently is uh, teenage girls clothing. So we had like celebrities, Fergie, we had um, Hayden Panettiere, and then ultimately um, it was Britney Spears. And those were our our celebrities that came into into the brand. So I analyzed all the thousand stores. I decided how much inventory would go to each one. I would say, okay, well, we have coats. Where do coats go? Do they go to Florida? No, they don't. Maybe we'll just send it down all the way down to Texas, top of Texas. And then, so that was that. And then I got moved into the men's sportswear, which was like, you know, tops and, you know, coats and different things for men and uh, kind of manage a, a team there that would kind of analyze the trends, the trends of where it was going, where things were selling and what, you know, just, just a lot of data, frankly, we're pulling reports and data supposed to drive your decisions. And So whatever it yeah. said we would do, then I would go present that to the, to the higher ups And then we talk. We discuss like different strategy and how to roll things out. How to test new products. We select two hundred stores out of the three hundred, or out of the eight hundred, or thousand. We test new things. And then um, I think from that, it kind of gave me this excitement about you know pushing the envelope based on the data. So I'm a stickler for data. I you can't just guess. That's 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 a bad strategy. is just guessing. So what does the data tell you? Where do you get that? Um, with a thousand stores and lots of lots of customers, you you had a lot of information. Today, you also have a lot of information. You you can you, you can get all sorts of softwares and you can kind of bust into there and you know download keywords. You can download different reports. You can download um, from your own sales on on whatever e-commerce platform you're on. Amazon is a great one. You can download tons of information and then find what the opportunity is. But also like you know understand what your competition is doing a lot better than you could in the brick and mortar.
0: I was going to actually ask that, you know, that, that data that you were talking about there from your your past experience, you were then talking about bringing that into Amazon and then you're know, exactly that. You can see how your competitors are doing a lot easier because you're in a brick and mortar. You, you can't see, unless you're next door to them, you can't see the number of people coming in and out. you know, but yet yet you can see where they rank on Amazon. You, you can see what their what their numbers are. You can see that, right? You're not going to get their complete sales forecast, but their data, those things into the background, gives you great understanding, isn't it? So it gives you much idea. You
1: know, it's interesting. You know, while we were at Coles, we spent a lot of time going to the stores and walking through J C and walking through Target and different, seeing what sales they were doing and and all of that. You know, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, you're up at five a.m. because at that time. I think most stores were like opening at six and then like a few years later it was five. And then you know how that goes. And then I think now they're open at like the on Thanksgiving day. So every year it kind of goes a year, an hour earlier until you're just shopping during Thanksgiving, which I am, I am against frankly, Just, just let it let it be. But anyway, it was it was very physical. It was you had to get into the stores and we were writing down. Okay, they're selling this. They're selling that. This is the this is the discount. On e-commerce, you can just see you can see exactly what they're selling. You can see the advertisements and you can see what they're bidding. Partly because you're competing with your with those people, you know, with your competitors, you're competing with them and you have to bid. And those ad costs have gone up as people have come into the e-commerce business. And uh, from around the world, you have people, at least in the United States, you have tons of Chinese companies coming in and they're, they're bidding that up. In fact, I think one of the statistics was that um, since the pandemic, um, ad spend per click on average, at least on Amazon, was around 70 cents, 70, 75 cents. And that in the course of five months had gone up to a dollar on average. Why? Wow. Because people were focused on Amazon. People were focused on getting into the e-commerce side of it, and uh, then more competition came. So you know when I started launching brands four or five years ago on amazon, it it was way easier. There was less competition. You could rank faster. Um, you didn't have to spend as much on the, on clicks, but people understand that they have to be on e-commerce. So everybody's coming there. And so what we need to do and think about is creating the experience for the for the e-commerce you know shopper and that customer, what are they expecting?
0: Yeah, I think it's really important about how you create that experience and how you differ to other people. Because as you say, when you're, you know, there's so much more competition out there, then actually what happens is, is that enables you to raise your game at the same time. And if you don't raise your game, you'll just be left behind because everyone else will raise their game. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. Uh, I think that's really interesting seeing those differences come through. Yeah. I think that's that's really really key right now. So, what was the first product you sold?
1: First product. So I I quit my job, my desk job. We were doing some sensors in the oil fields and just yep. anyway. And and I said and it was a family business actually. And um, I have a couple of brothers that that work there too. And I said I love you brothers, but I can't work with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to keep that relationship going. So um, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna go to China. So I flew to China. And I said, I'm not coming back until I've visited the factories, I've spoken to the owners, and I know exactly who I'm working with because I don't trust just simply going through Alibaba. Oh, I don't, yeah. I, I you know, maybe I just have a trust issue. I don't know, but I wanted to do it right. So I went out and um, started doing uh, nursing covers, which would kind of go over the head and, you know, drape over the shoulders so that you could, you could breastfeed in public or wherever you wanted to be a little bit more modest. If, if you like that. And so we did that, we did swaddle blankets, we did a couple different baby products, bonnets, and different things like that. And uh, that went well, but really, really what was more exciting was um, the relationships that I built. So when I was in China, I, I, you know, made a pretty good relationship with one factory owner. He spoke really good English and he's like, Hey, do you want to come play, play basketball with us tonight? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And so mm-hmm. when the American shows up, Everybody shows up. we got to go beat this this American at, at basketball, <laughs> and, and I mean these guys were super rough. I came home with like a torn ear and bruises all over oh. my body but uh but I won you know, and, that, and that was most important now but afterwards there was a there was a factory that came up and um he he produces glass water bottles, and this is one of them yeah bamboo lid kind of a nice nice feel on the silicone and um he said, well, can I?" can I uh, convince you to help me sell these on Amazon? I said, well, sure. Yeah, the answer is yes. What's your brand name? And he said, my brand name is Just F Water. And I thought, why did you name it Just F Water? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, Just For Water was taken. So we just named it Just F Water. And uh, I said, well, that kind of sounds funny. Let me let me think about a new brand name and we'll we'll relaunch it for you. And we'll kind of do this partnership thing. And uh, we launched it at its Origin Glass Co, and that just took off and it, maybe it was good timing and maybe it was some of the good things that we were doing. But a great experience for us. Origin Glasgow is one of those. So glass water bottles and baby bottles and all sorts of glass drinking um, flasks and different things like that.
0: Um, and I think it's really coming back to that, that, building those relationships. First of all, congrats, because that's obviously done really, really well. But actually building those relationships and going to the factories is absolutely critical. Um, you, you, Because didn't you go out there a little while ago as well?
1: let say that or, again?
0: Didn't you go out there a little while ago? You was out there like a few months ago, wasn't
1: you? Oh, you yeah. Wouldn't... So I, yeah, that's right. So I uh, I couldn't get into China, but we were doing some factory visits in Bangkok. And um, oh. Bangkok and Thailand, Thailand was like a, a total, I mean, they have, they're recording like 78 deaths total for COVID. So they're super conservative. And, and so, yeah, I flew in there. They put me in a hotel room for two weeks alone. I couldn't come out for the first seven days. I didn't leave the room for seven days and then they would let me out for one hour a day. That sounds like jail to me, like prison. You know, they, they give you the one hour outside a day. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm willing to go the distance, I guess you'd say to, to, to vet out the right factories. I don't, I don't want to just trust somebody's word. I want to go and see no. it myself which means that I can that I can speak confidently to all my customers I and mean, we do some sourcing we do some some different things for different customers that are trying to sell product on Amazon and other e-commerce sites.
0: I think that's a really interesting point because a lot of sellers are saying to me you know where else should we be sourcing products from where are the other opportunities where where can we do that obviously a lot of the sellers we work with are expanding into Europe so one of the questions they're like well Andy can we source products in Europe how do we do that what do we need to do to make that happen but Actually, most sellers are still buying things from further afield because it is cheaper to make things. So talk me through the difference between you know, buying something in China and buying something in you know, somewhere different like Bangkok, for example. What, what your, what's your experience so far?
1: Um, you know, I, I had higher hopes, actually, about sourcing out of uh, Thailand. Oh. Um, China yeah. is so dialed in yes. and they know the, pro- the process so well. And I think it'll take a little bit more time to for some of these other you know outside countries to to get up to that level. But we're seeing a lot more coming out of Vietnam. We I we got some stuff out of Vietnam. We're still working with some people in Thailand. And you have to really think about the political and the you know, the government structure in each of these countries. They're they're pretty loose in some of these countries. Malaysia, um, Bangkok. It's basically if I know somebody in the government or if I know somebody high up in the you know, in the royal family, and you have some connections there, and which I made while I was over in Bangkok, which is pretty interesting. Um, they have so much power. And um, yes, yeah, so you, you might say China has so much power, but China, um, they, they're very uh, focused on regulating that so that they have a good presence and so that people think positively about the whole country. And so I, don't know, I think it'll be, it'll take some time for other countries to get up to the level of, uh, of production as China.
0: I, I, yeah, because I mean, when you go to China, yeah, there's certain areas to do certain things. Almost, yeah, right. You, know, you go to a certain area, and when you, I mean, we went to look. Uh, we went to well, we went to various places when I last went. Um, but when you think, okay, I'm going to go and visit some some factories in Shenzhen was one of them. We don't realise is that Shenzhen has got like 20 million people in it, <laughs> and the distance is like the size of the UK or something. Like it's bonkers. Uh, See, so like, well, I'm just going to get in a taxi and go to this one, to this one, to this one. We don't realize is those taxis are like those cab; they're like three hours apart. Yeah, like, it, it's huge, um, and people don't factor that in when they're doing that. And we certainly didn't the first time we went. We learned after that, obviously. Oh, um,
1: sure. <laughs> Maybe you're flying from one city to another. I mean, Shaoxing might be there for you know fabrics, and then you might go to Shenzhen for electronics, and you might go to another city for you know wood and wood yeah. products and different things like that, We've which we've done, it's it's quite a wild ride if you go you stay there <laughs> and see the different parts and the different, and really the more high tech, the more the bigger the city, the more expensive your products are gonna be if it's produced there. You have to go out to the boonies to get the better prices because they can, yeah. you know, what, what's happening is people from the country are coming into the big cities and so they have to charge more or they pay them more so they can live there and send money back. So if you can get out to a factory in the countryside, you'll get better prices. Because people are living there, they don't have to, you know, commute and yeah. you know, spend their time in a new city.
0: Have you done Canton?
1: Yep, been to Canton.
0: I haven't uh, done Canton yet. I, I I wanted to go last year, but obviously that didn't quite happen.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's so huge, so huge. You gotta go for sure. I don't know if they are they gonna open it up this year. I I kind of doubt it. I
0: but... Can't see a game this year. Um, maybe next year or the year after. There's no rush, is there? Um, <laughs> it's, it, yeah. I want the experience, definitely. Okay, all right. So, um, obviously, you then launched some products. You've been launching products. Um, you talk about RevStep. What what does your RevStep do at its core?
1: Yeah, our core um, really came spun off of some of the partnerships and the products that we would launched um, initially with some of the factories in China. After that, we had companies starting to approach us saying, hey, we need help on Amazon. These are companies in the U.S., and uh, we want to grow and we want to expand can you help us do that and so we were doing that so we started to build a team of of service so we have one part we were just doing products and the other part the service side really started to take off because there's so many companies out there that don't know what they're doing on Amazon yeah and and you know they get in there and they they try it for 3 months and they cause more problems when they start to try to do it themselves and they don't know what they're doing that we yeah. have to come in and fix it and so We started slowly and started to ramp up and got some got some bigger brands and then we looked at Europe and we said, "Look, how do we differentiate as an agency?" Yes, we're doing, you know, we're doing all the PPC, we're managing the listings, we're talking to Amazon or India, who you know, (laughs) wherever the problem is, we're talking and figuring that out. We have some people inside corporate Amazon that we can connect with, which is very helpful as an agency. But we thought Europe is so important and really. It's a bigger population that that Amazon covers in Europe than it does in the U.S. But very first, everybody starts to think, okay, I got to be in the U.S. because that's where, you know, that's where we got over 100 million Prime subscribers. So I got to be there. But we looked at Europe and thought, man, this is like we have a crystal ball, so to speak. What has happened here in the U.S. is happening in Europe. In the U.S. initially, they said, hey, everybody, come on, be a vendor, you know, and be – you know we'll we'll buy your products from you and we'll sell it. and And they did that, and they got a lot of people to come to come onto onto the uh, the platform. Uh, what was it a year, a year and a half ago, two years ago? They cut uh, over a hundred thousand sellers out of a, out of the vendor program because they had as many as they wanted, and they didn't need to you know buy this inventory if it wasn't selling. But that's what was happening in Europe. And we're seeing yeah. this happen. So we thought we have a kind of an interesting perspective coming from the United States, seeing what's happening here, managing a companies many companies here in the united states and canada and we can go over there so we started attending some trade shows and and then that's how we got in touch with you andy and Gee, and you guys have really helped us a ton get some of our american companies over there with VAT services and logistics um but that's really kind of where we see the blue ocean we see brands going over there and way easier i mean talk about like two years ago Amazon US way easier getting onto the the platforms in Germany and UK specifically and getting to the front page. We have one brand, one brand that, um, and this is a Chinese company, but their brand. They said we're going to create four brands, and they were doing water bottles as well. They said we're going to create four brands and put them all in Europe, and they did, and they had all four brands on the front page because there was so little competition. And they they yeah. you know we kind of coached them on how to do that. Um, I look at I look at Europe as kind of the next the next frontier really for for all of these U, these U.S. brands and so that's really one of our focuses at RevStep is to be an international company yeah. and to to bridge that gap over the over the water over there and then we're also taking some European companies and bringing them into the United States I think wow. that's really important to do too.
0: Uh, yeah, I totally do. I think there's there's a huge amount of sellers that actually struggle going from the U.K. to Europe and Europe to the U.K. certainly after Brexit, let alone. Going over to the states, and actually, this, yeah, the states. Yeah, while you say you know, Europe's got a bigger market, it has actually got more people you can sell to. It's just that there's more marketplace competition with some of those, and there's a few more languages to, to factor in. Sure. So it's slightly more complicated, but actually, the rewards, as you said, there are much higher longer term. Well, of opportunity?
1: Yeah, and what we're seeing is that. People are going online. People do more research on Amazon, at least in the United States, on brands than they do on Google. Yeah. And as the pandemic came, people have, more people have started purchasing internationally and looking internationally. And so when you talk about brand presence, your brand as it grows, needs to have a presence, I would say on Amazon, because yeah. that's, that's the most, uh, I don't know, most prevalent e-commerce site around the country, around the world. Yeah. And so yeah, we we say you need to have your brand presence and you need to grow. This is the next opportunity, expanding uh, worldwide.
0: And I think that actually is the key, is that the Amazon piece. Whilst Amazon is just one marketplace and there are other marketplaces that you can capitalize on, actually, it is the one that is world renowned, pretty much. So actually, you only have to be on one to be a global brand, although actually you know, you might want to diversify and we can talk about that at a later date. But, you know, that diversification should come. But actually, you sell know, a central in Europe is the same broadly as a central in the States. Sure. You know, Japan, Australia, you know, it's all broadly the same. So actually what you're seeing is exactly the same. Therefore, it makes it almost a no-brainer. Like, it's just, why don't
1: we? Sure, sure. And, you know, I would also say that, like, the digital experience that Amazon's trying to create, um, they're doing some new things. I mean, they're, they're really focused on video. Um, one of the statistics on video is that if you have a video on your listing, you will have um, 3.6 times greater uh, click-through and sell-through rate um, once people get to your detail page. They're using video for advertising. I know they've been doing it for a little bit, but it's coming, and it's coming, it's coming in a big way. We recently did some live videos on amazon we paid paid an influencer and we did some live videos and you see some pretty interesting upticks because people are getting into this video and i think the younger generation too is expecting it it's not just it's not just a nice thing to have it's an expectation that consumers have
0: yeah they they don't go they don't go on to the shopping channel you when i was a when i was younger you know (laughs) uvc if you like or you're right on the tv was a bit of a sort of a unique thing wasn't it it's like Oh wow! Someone's trying to sell me something on the TV. I'll sort of click into that. And really, with Amazon Live, what they're trying to do is replicate that. Like, yeah. they're not they're not reinventing the wheel here. What they're doing is taking what something has already worked somewhere else and bring it in. Uh, and I think that actually, is a, I totally agree. It's a massive opportunity. I'm glad you had an experience of doing that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and and Facebook Live too. I mean, you can. Yeah. I, and I don't know, I don't know how how Facebook Live works internationally. I just know how it works in the United States. It's You can make so much money if you have the right right person up there talking about your product and and promoting it. So the live aspect, what we're doing right now, I mean, getting out there in front of people live is, is really important in this digital age. And that experience is super important. And we're not just talking about like videos just to post, you know, here and there. We're talking about your website. We're talking about Amazon. We're talking about your social media. If you have the trifecta, it is super helpful, at least when you talk about your sales, not just on your website, but on Amazon, you have social media pushing, pushing to Amazon. Amazon recognizes that they rank you higher because you're, you're driving organic sales into Amazon. You have your website that is, you know, kind of this brand core where somebody might go onto Amazon and see, okay, what is this? Do I trust it? Okay. It has good reviews, but then they'll go to your website. And they'll exactly. see, okay, is this a real brand? Are they, you know, a reliable company? Am I just buying from a Chinese company that doesn't really care about brand? They just want to sell me something cheap. And, you know, the truth is most of our stuff comes from China anyway, cheap or not. But but the point is consumers want to be buying something that's special. And they're going to check out all of the different, you know, different platforms. So they, they come together. In fact, one of our brands that we manage on social media and their website and their Amazon, we. The brand said, "You know, we don't want to pull. We don't want to pay any more for social media, and we're just going to let our let our website just kind of hang out, and it'll get its sales." Well, we had influencers and social media people reaching out to us who had promoted the product before, and they said, "What are you doing? We can't promote you. We we don't want to. We don't want to tell people about your product because you don't have you don't have a good presence anymore." So people notice it and other influencers notice it. And so if you want a really good marketing program, you have to have all three and you have to be active on on, on all three. And that takes a lot of work.
0: Yeah, interesting, I was listening to something on an audio book earlier about momentum. And, And actually that piece sort of comes into play here. You need momentum across various channels in order to push and drive everything else forward. Because if you've got momentum in one area, that's amazing actually by having the momentum in other areas as well will help propel you in all those other areas you know that that you you cross platform website i think that your brand recognition is becoming so important you almost in order to expand into europe you almost need your enhanced brand content you need a trademark almost as a guarantee now you know if you haven't got that we can see people sellers in those areas just drifting away almost Mm-hmm. Um, so there we go. So, Adam, what I want to move on to next is you know, what you see over the coming months, you know, because we, we're coming up to that period now where, you know, people's focus is clearly on Q4. You know, we're getting to a point where we're thinking, OK, Q4 it's only around the corner. Like, we're not that far away from Q4. I know everyone's like, well, you know, we're only in Q2. Yeah. No, 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 no. Q4's there. Like, you know, and with all the problems with boats getting stuck here, like that's a massive oh, issue. So yeah. what, what do you see right now? What's the key things you're thinking about over the next six months or next three to five months as we gear up for Q4 that you're talking to about your clients or advising or what does that look like right now?
1: Yeah, no, you, you, you hit it right on the dot. I mean, when you're thinking about Q4, you you have to be, you know, sourcing your product. Now you have to be organizing it and planning and saying, how much inventory do I need to get through the, through the the Q4, and I think that's something that we've seen in the past year that every, so many brands ran out of stock. Supply chain is is all upside down, and so um, when I look at e-commerce, e-commerce is up what twenty percent more than that. Depends yeah. on depends on the brand and, and the category, but um, you have to plan your supply in order to get there. We we ran out of one of our companies ran out of leggings. Well, yeah. in the past, it's been easy to get leggings. You know they're they're quick to make they're they're small you can pack them easily and you can send them out you can even airship you know until you can get your sea shipments in Yeah. wasn't the case and Amazon has been really difficult about that um, when you think about inventory so the the trend that I see happening is that you have to have a really high sell through to send a lot of inventory into Amazon mm-hmm. um, and if you don't they're going to clamp that down and 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 minimize what you can actually send in and store there so. You know, one of the trends that I see happening is you have to figure out either a 3PL solution so that you can sustain the sales and have somewhere to hold inventory. If you're selling on Amazon, you have to have a 3PL solution or you have to have your own warehouse. We have our own warehouse for different clients of ours. And yeah. frankly, we're not a 3PL. So we we suggest don't send inventory to anybody that doesn't know how to ship Amazon products.
0: Uh, and uh, that hybrid model you know, is is fast becoming relevant you know, around you know, wherever Amazon is. You know we're seeing that here in Europe. It's absolutely critical that you've got buffer stock here. If you haven't got buffer stock, you people are struggling. You know with the whole inventory thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a container on the water, and Amazon's now saying, well, you can only put about a tenth of that into Amazon. And they're like, well, where am I sending it? You know, fortunately, you know, yeah, we've got facilities in UK, Netherlands. You know it, it works, but actually there was no warning. There was no. You know, it was all of a sudden. You. Know, this is happening and that hybrid model, that buffer stock, is absolutely critical. Um so you know, that that's one thing that's definitely happening
1: right now, isn't it? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And and it's not just having the buffer stock, it's speed and efficiency. People yeah. have come and 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 Amazon's the the culprit of this. <laughs> People used to not not expect two-day or even one-day delivery, but no. Amazon has trained everybody to know that they can get inventory quickly. And if they can't, they're upset. If it's three days, I've heard people get upset, like I can't believe I waited so long to get this product. <laughs> I mean, we're so super impatient with product, but the yep. data says that, as as I've researched and 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 talked to uh, different logistics companies, the data says you have to offer some kind of free shipping. Nobody wants to pay for shipping if it's a three PL, and um, it has to be quick, quick and efficient, and that will keep you on top of the on top of the game and in, in selling. Um, one of the things that I was I was thinking about was that. Uh, um, ad spend is really important when I look at what's what's happening. So it depends on what category you're on. Ad spend has gone up, but if you can manage it efficiently and and let the data run that um, kind of your decision making on on what which keywords to bid on, you can do well. But when I look at as we're coming out of the pandemic, we have many different categories. I mean, you think about the home category, people working from home. Um, we had one company, we have one company and we're, we're doing rubber mats. Well, people are billing rubber mat, um, floors for their home gyms because people are doing everything at home. As we come out of that, I don't expect rubber mats to keep going up. I, you know, if, if we don't manage the PPC and we, the advertising and kind of that trifecta that we're talking about, the sales will go down. I'm on some categories, the home categories like kitchen and bakeware and all that kind of stuff. People are going to do less baking as they get out and they go do. Experiential things rather than staying home cooped up, and so I anticipate some of the categories to slump a little bit. With that anticipation, we need to think: how do I keep it at least steady to where we were, and and how do we grow it? Um, that's something to think about. And I don't necessarily have the answer to that, but think about the category you're in. If you're an outdoors category, what I've seen is like tents, for example. Tents, man, they're they're exploding in the United States. Yeah. Why? Because people were doing staycations and they're saying, "Okay, what can I go out and do?" Yep, and and actually, it's kind of uh, you know rejuvenated some of that interest of getting outdoors and and doing some of the things locally. And I think that'll continue to grow as we've seen. and we had we had canvas tents. One of our clients, they were stocked out. I mean, they sold out last summer. They got back in stock. Uh, I mean, these are like six hundred, seven hundred dollars like glamping tents, basically. In January, they sold seven hundred units of those. Those are like a thousand dollars units. and uh, they sold out. I mean, as soon as they. Oh. In January. Yeah, no yeah. one can, no one's camping in January, really. No. So it, it depends on your category. But um, I would say um, the online luxury category really took took a, you know, they got up and they got, uh, what am I saying? <laughs> the sales increased. But I think some of that luxury experience things that, that people love to go into the store and, and pay more money for that experience, that may come down. I think you got to really focus on your ad spend and your in your presence online.
0: But what we've seen is some of those. You, know, you more people have shopped online. But actually, what it's done is it's brought new people to shopping online. So actually, that you know, here in the UK. Okay, let's take the you know, kitchen items for example. Yeah, let's take a chopping board. Like, damn, my chopping board's broke. I need a new one. Well, I won't go to the local department store to buy one. I'll just buy that on Amazon because I know it'll be here tomorrow. Type mm-hmm. of product. as whereas they might not be thinking. Well, I can't get to a shop tomorrow. But I'll shop online. You know, people of my, you know, my parents' age, you know, that sort of, you, know, that's become relevant and actually it's brought a new demographic to sure. online shopping. To to think about it slightly different, I think that's where we've seen the change. So, I agree with you. I think there might be some categories that have a dip, but there'll be definitely be some that have an uplift, like the camping. Like I think it's you, know, staycation this year, UK, especially, especially, is going to go through the roof.
1: Well, they're projecting that even over last year, the e-commerce sales for Q4 should be up to last year, um, and because it, it is a new trend. I mean, you have my parents. I'm I'm 39. My parents are in their 70s, but they are totally dialed in. They have the app on their phone. They know yeah. how to use it because the kids have trained them how to use it. <laughs> yeah, but they can go on and search anything, and boom, they're they're sending a Venmo. They're they're making purchases, and that that goes on to. You know how do you, how do you win in Q4? Well, it's not just Amazon. Like that's our core competency here at Revstep. But when you talk about your website, make sure your website is is mobile-friendly yeah. and making sure that people can sort there and and that information and how it's distributed is consistent among all the different platforms. That is one way to to have that, that uh, digital experience that people are are really reacting well to, and so be, be available and be consistent.
0: I, I think that's absolutely critical. Um, going forward the uh know inventory let's just talk about the inventory piece because well no sorry we've just talked about the inventory piece because we've done that let's talk about briefly uh reviews obviously there was a whole load of things uh, very recently with all these reviews and uh sellers being taken down and everything else obviously none of us can do fake reviews and everything else like that just for the, on the record but outside of that you know how have you seen that impact that's come out of that you know what what's happened in the states with that, and I'll, we can then talk about the Europe as well.
1: Sure. Um, well, one thing I like that Amazon has done is they they made it easier for customers to leave reviews, where you don't have to actually type in, you know, this was great for these five reasons or whatever. You can just give it a star ranking, and so that's yeah. that's helped um, customers be able to see very quickly what what is trending and what is you know what other consumers are saying about it. Um, yeah, I mean when, when Amazon is taking down big name brands, at least in the electronics, like Aoki and, um, was it Empow? I can't remember a couple of them, I, you know, but I know Aoki was one of those that just stuck out to me because I'd done some research on them. Um, huge electronics. When they're taking their, their listings down because of a review manipulation, that's a huge warning sign to everybody that's, that's trying to get reviews um, and pay for those and, and use the different, different platforms to to do that. I know that, you know, um, the Chinese companies will, they will pay $10 per review yeah. as long as it's a five-star review plus re- reimburse everything. And they'll pay tens of thousands of dollars. And within two or three months, they'll have over a thousand reviews per listing. That's that's, inc- that's incredible. And, and I see why Amazon's cracking down on it. Um, from a startup company, it's really hard to, to even get noticed on Amazon yeah. if you don't have reviews. And so, you know, w- we there's some different strategies you can use to get some reviews. Um, uh, we can go into that another time, but, yeah. uh, when I look at reviews, I think, and I did some research on, on reviews recently, and, uh, it, it was interesting by demographic, what customers expect. So it, it kind of broke it out by age group. So 45 and up, they wanted at least 38 reviews on average. Five wow. star, four four and a half star, five star. They wanted about thirty eight reviews to trust that this was a good product. Yep. As you went down in age, the number of reviews that the customers wanted went way up. So, like millennials, wow. they want two hundred reviews. Where before they're going to buy that product, that's a lot of reviews to get organically. I, I, I see that you know based on the percentage of sales, how many how many reviews do you get per hundred sales? I think you get about five if you're, you know, yeah. if you're lucky
0: interesting you say exactly that my children i've got an 18 year old and a 12 year old and both of them when they're trying to get us to buy something they talk about the reviews of the product oh yeah this one's got really really good reviews uh, i've looked at the reviews this one says this oh this one says this you know my son uh we had his birthday got some airpods other makes are available you know blah 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 anyway uh it was like you know i've looked at the AirPod airpods reviews it's like they're just the best reviews that you can get. Like, there's no other reviews for all the other companies because there's a big thing about fake ones and all the rest of it. Yeah, right, talk right. about Fake ones. Is that like, now mine aren't fake? These are the real one, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, like, they genuinely, I looked at the reviews for it, as well as I sort of, I sort of just glance, I, I just glance <laughs> at the reviews and they go, oh, there's a load of reviews. Okay, five star, yeah, done. Yep. But they're actually looking at the individual reviews. This one said this one, this one said this one. So mm-hmm. I, I can back up exactly what you've said there, but that's exactly right. You know, So you know, these sellers that are coming in and paying for these reviews, sooner or later it's going to catch up with them. I think that's sure. fair. To say.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think you can get kind of a base, and you're going to use whatever resources you have to go get reviews initially. Amazon will not recognize your listing unless you have at least 10 reviews. So once you hit 10 reviews, Amazon algorithm starts to process to say, Hey, this is a legitimate listing. So now we're going to start promoting it. So, you know, my, you know, my, my recommendation is use whatever resources you have, not your family members, but, you know, to promote that with influencers on Instagram and, um, you know, have them, have them promote it and give some, some discount codes, get some reviews as quick as you can, but, um, you know, be careful. And, and really it's, 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 it happens over time. You, the youngest people like your 19 year old, he's going to look for, for products that have over a thousand reviews. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: and I, that, that I, takes time to get to, but
0: yeah.
1: it's patience. It, it, it's patience, and you can do that. You can follow with email marketing, you know there, there are different softwares that you can use that will respond to, you know to, to your customers, whether you're asking for a seller review or a, you know a product review. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, reviews are super important, but don't ignore. The keywords and and kind of the 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 bread and butter of what an Amazon listing is, you know, the keywords are super important. The optimization is important, and when you talk about like international optimization, for example, it's not we're not just translating stuff. You need to optimize in that language. You don't take an English listing and translate it into German. You have a German that looks at the listing and understands what it is and builds it up from there in their own language. Um, so there are a lot of components, but you know, reviews are are kind of the the shiny, you know, first thing that everybody looks at. Um, Indeed.
0: Indeed. So, uh, right. I think we are coming to an end. Uh, Adam, uh, it's been amazing to have you on. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Adam, if people want to get in touch with you, how do people get in touch with you?
1: Very simple. Adam at RevStep.com. That's my direct email. You can just email me. We can chat. Happy to answer any questions, share what I know, you know, no no strings attached. Just reach out. Let's talk. Andy, you're, you've been such a great host and uh, appreciate you taking some time with me today. And um, hopefully, we'll we do it again.
0: We appreciate you coming on and sharing some uh, valuable insights. So, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who's listened. Uh, everyone who's going to listen to the recording. This is e commerce, Expander Secrets, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much.